Today on the Six Feet of Fellowship podcast, I'm joined by Jonathan Barksdale. We discuss what biblical community is and what it looks like specifically in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Thanks for being with us, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of our podcast here. With me, my good friend, Jonathan Barksdale, is joining us today. Great to be here. Jonathan, thanks so much, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to jumping into our conversation. Me too. Uh, before we do that, you want to give us just a, a couple of yeah. tidbits about who you are and your family? That sure. Sort of thing? So I'm Jonathan Barksdale, 46 years old. We live in Athens. We've attended here at Madison for about two years now. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, software developer on a small software development company, um, in Athens, as well as uh, I'm a partner in a security business as well. So uh, hands in a lot of things. Um, husband of beautiful wife, Casey, for 25 years. And uh, two children, Dyson, age 21, Kendall, aged 18. So they uh, just enjoy our, enjoy spending time with the family. And uh, so it's it's good to be here, though. Yeah, and I guess the kids are home right now. Yeah. Home from school. So. Yeah, yeah. A little bit different adjustment for everybody, I'm sure, with that. Yeah, um, no doubt. One thing I have loved seeing is uh, you and, and Casey in particular posting uh, pictures of, of the six of y'all worshiping together, your family and then your parents along yeah. with you. And um, I just love, I love that for your kids to see the, the spiritual community is important um, to their parents and their grandparents that even in the midst of, I'm kind of the kid in high school. If I didn't have to go to school, uh, I'm definitely not going to school, right? right? I'm not volunteering to do the extra work. It's yeah. only because I need the extra credit. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in this situation we're in right now, it's definitely been an opportunity for some people to check out. You know, it's been a, a, a really a, a reality check for all of us of what do we value. And uh, seeing seeing y'all's post shows that yeah. you truly value the spiritual fellowship, the gathering together to worship uh, on Sunday. And I just, I love seeing that, the three Thank generations you. represented yeah. there. Yeah. It's been good. My mom and dad normally attend services in Athens. And it's funny when we first, we were concerned about them, you know, being around a larger fellowship. And this was really before, I, Madison did such a good job being on the forefront of we need to kind of change the paradigm of how we're worshiping. And and so there was a Sunday there where my mom and dad were still, their their congregation was still going to worship. And we're like, whoa, hey, maybe, why don't y'all just come over and worship with us? And we're going to do this virtually. And it, they surprised me because I really didn't think that they would jump at that. And they yeah. said, you know what? We think we will. And they have, cool. my mom has commented several times on how much they have enjoyed it and and. and um, it's given them a chance to learn about, you know, some of the ministers and yeah. the, the people at Madison that have been have been helping to lead this. And it's just they, they have found it to be of great value. So it's good. been a good thing. Yeah. I love that. That's that's great. It's definitely a, it's been a shift for all of us. Yeah. You know, definitely not uh, the only way we want to be uh, with each other for sure. But um, it's, it's brought to my mind a lot of things just thinking through trying to process everything we've got going on. Mm -hmm. The idea, this idea of community and the spiritual community that we have in the church. Um, it's meant to be different, right? It's supposed to be mm -hmm. different than, uh, than just a casual relationship or a friendship or an acquaintance uh, that we may have in other aspects. And uh, one of the places that my mind went was, was Paul, you know, Paul, he wrote majority of the new Testament text and, and his writings are these letters to churches, uh, these letters to, to people. And almost always he has something in there about his desire to be with them. In Philippians, in chapter 1, in verse 3 there, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then you go down in, in verse 8, For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. 
verse eight means something different to me now than it ever has. Uh, because in this situation we find ourselves in, uh, it's not a voluntary um, uh, removal of, of my, my presence here. Like it's something that's been taken from me, right? Mm-hmm. This, uh, the, the weekly fellowship that, that I want and desire is, has to be different now, uh, at least for the time being. And so when you have something taken from you as opposed to you voluntarily removing something from your life, right. there's a two very different responses, uh, very. two very different things. And so I, I go to Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, in verse 15, Paul writes here that for this reason, we assume, uh, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So this, I've heard of your faith in Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints. I don't cease to give thanks for you. This, this idea that uh, in all these things that Paul goes through in his life and that, that other uh, the apostles went through in their life, their concern was for the churches to build up. Think of Barnabas and, and Timothy and their travels. And, and I mean, they their mission trips look different than ours, right? A right. lot of times ours are a one-week um, trip here and there to do some, uh, a lot of times, manual labor type things. There's had that, but there's had this other level of they were establishing the church, they were strengthening the church in all of these places, uh, and this desire to be with so many in so many different places at once, essentially. Um, you know, That's something that has kind of really come to the forefront. Not that I didn't think that people treasured being together, but when you see people that really articulate their desire to be together, it's just reassuring. It, it, it builds up my faith hearing people talk about their longing to be yeah. together, right? Yeah. It makes me long for that even more so. And Paul really took it up a notch uh, mm-hmm. even even more in Colossians. In Colossians 1 verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And so an earnestness there. He followed that up, Colossians 2 verse 1, and I love the language here. This is the NIV version, but it says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all of those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they have the full riches of complete understanding. But just that that passion and that earnestness to say something like, I'm contending for you. Like, mm-hmm. this is something, I'm rooting hard for this. There's an I, intensity there for an sure. An intensity. Yeah. Yeah. And and even when we think about the epistles at large and just the, the theme of what Paul was doing by writing, just the very act of writing those was trying to bridge that gap and close that distance between himself because he knew that he couldn't be there with each of these churches, with each of those brethren, that he couldn't be there, but that he continued to contend for them and to reach out to them. Um, these letters weren't easy to, to deliver, even, yeah. as you talk about the difference in where we are today and where they were in the New Testament times. Um, but to get those letters to those people, to try to fortify them and to let them know, hey, I've not forgotten you, and I pray for you daily, and I contend for you. That's that's a yeah. powerful thing. Absolutely. Yeah, That that sort of reinvigorates you to, uh, to reciprocate that, right? You know, yes. when someone says, Hey, you're on my, when somebody says I'm praying for you, it means a lot. But if some, to me, it's different to say, Hey, you're on my prayer list today. That is, that's a deliberate intentional act that has already been done or is going to be done today. There's something just a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, with that intensity there that, that causes you to go, oh, well, thank you. Well, right. what can I pray for you about? You know, it's like exactly. immediately I, I want to at least 
equal that that uh, that affection that they communicate there. Exactly, yeah. it's a little bit of an exchange of gifts, yeah, almost right. of like you know, it's it's it is reciprocal and mm-hmm. it's important. And you know the power of that when you feel it, when you know that someone is praying on your behalf, it does. It makes you want to be more mindful of others as well. Yeah, I mean, I think of Paul again. His his writings of outdo one another in good works. Um, we've had people drop stuff off at our house for, especially for our kids, some candy and Easter type stuff. And uh, we had a, a great friend across the street. Uh, she brought us a bouquet of flowers and and uh, just different things like that that just just brighten your day, you know. Mm-hmm. And these these acts of kindness that we see people do now almost daily. We've seen some incredible. It's it's got to be difficult as a kid, especially to celebrate a birthday during this time yeah. when you can't have the big party and all yeah. of that. Um, just side note, February or April seventeenth this Friday, my birthday. Just throwing that out there. Happy birthday! Uh, I'll get you the address later if you guys want to send <laughs> something. Bring it on. Um, uh, food is my love language, but uh, but I've seen so many, especially children who have had this this parade of of cars come to say happy birthday, we love you, posters, right. things like that. We don't normally do that. But there's nothing stopping us from doing that. You know, it doesn't take a pandemic to cause us to have to, it shouldn't take a pandemic to cause us to have to go that extra mile of making someone feel loved and appreciated and special. Um, but to some degree now we have the the margin, you might say. We have the the freedom and, and the, um, well, we just, we have the inactivity going on in our world so where we can just be calm, Yeah. right? Isaiah speaks of in, in returning and rest uh, shall be your uh, your salvation. Um, you know, a lot of people reference Psalm 4610, uh, that be still and know mm-hmm. that I am God, right? There's all throughout scripture and uh, there in different contexts, you see the idea of quietness and stillness. And, and one that jumps out to me in particular is, if, is Exodus. When you have um, when you have Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and they're looking in front of them and they have the Red Sea, which big body of water, you know, it's not an easy swim. Behind them, they have the largest army on the planet. The Egyptians are bearing down on top of them. Uh, they're, they're angry. They're, they're upset with them. They're not seeking to have a tea party. They're seeking to kill them, right? right? And they look at Moses and they're like, dude, come on, man. Why did you bring us out of Egypt just to die out here? Right. You know, th- we could have just died back in Egypt. At least it was familiar. At least, you know, it, it is what it was, what it was. I, I can't imagine desiring to go back into slavery, um, but that's kind of what they were saying there is, and, and he stops them. He looks around. In my mind, this is like a William Wallace Braveheart moment, right? I assume he has his face painted at least, and wearing, <laughs> maybe wearing a kilt. But he, he looks out at the children of Israel, and he says, the, the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. You're never going to see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep silent. So this idea of, of quietness, of stillness, Jesus himself, uh, as was his custom, he would, he would uh, go away to a desolate place, right? Just him and God, quietness and stillness. We don't typically build that into our day very well. And in the year 2020, up until about a month ago, it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's still difficult sometimes because you know, we're sitting at a, at a stoplight and my first thought is pull up, pull up my little rectangle here, my little phone, and just play on that or fill my mind with that. I, I find all the nooks and crannies where I used to have some constructive boredom, they're now filled with really deconstructive behaviors, you know, or just activity for the sake of it. Um, Extracurriculars for families, you know, sports aren't bad, uh, you know, different clubs and things aren't bad in and of themselves, but, but sometimes we set up these expectations of how life is supposed to be and we don't build in the most important, the most valuable time. And sometimes that's just stillness. We feel like if we're still, then we're not doing, 
Um, and that's, that's a lie of the devil that he's, he's really good at, mm-hmm. that in the midst of this major disruption, it's been a hard reset for all of us that we wouldn't have most likely wouldn't have taken otherwise. You know, it's, it's the guy that, that, uh, you know, is just eating four hamburgers a day that then has the, uh, the heart attack and the open heart surgery that causes him to reassess his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. This in a spiritual level, I hope has caused, we've all taken the opportunity at least to reassess our lifestyle. What's, what is the most important when everything provided by the church, fellowship, worship, communion, when those things are taken away and you don't congregate at the building with people, do they still have a, a priority in your life? Right. Right. We have to answer that question during this time. Yeah, we've had to really decide to be more intentional about mm-hmm. what we do, about intentional about our behaviors, intentional about our attitudes. Yep. To really purpose about how do we want to be, you know, what what is our what is our stance through this? What do we want to accomplish? What do we want to come out on the other side having, you know, taken away from this is beneficial for us. And yeah. so part of that is that Many times we want we want to just sort of allow things to collide in our lives to mm-hmm. force us to do things, and yet now we have to decide to be intentional about. Well, I need to call this person. I need to mm-hmm. check on this person. I'm going to reach out to this person that I've not talked to in a year, just because we're busy. Yeah. And to be intentional about trying to be a, a positive voice to those that are around us that we know may be struggling, right. or may be fearful, or maybe maybe their health is is not as good as it could be right now. Maybe that, you know, that's causing them to be scared because they don't know what's going on. And mm-hmm. so opportunities to just continue to uh, to do those things in the lives of people that we love, but really yeah, with a, a chance to think about what we're doing. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, my father-in-law made a statement the other day in reference to um, everything going on. He, he referenced Dietrich Bonhoeffer in, in his book, Cost of Discipleship. He describes two different types of grace, and there's cheap grace that most people generally ascribe to. It, it doesn't involve a lot of effort, and today we might describe it as you know a very um, postable faith. So you post scriptures uh, you know, on your Instagram or, or social account somewhere, and, and that kind of gives you this feeling of doing the things that Christians do, but there's not really a sacrifice involved in your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Your living doesn't really contrast that much with someone else that's not a believer in Christ. And so the costly grace comes in when when things look very different, when there are direct challenges to your lifestyle uh, and and your living changes as a result. So what my father-in-law was referencing was, you know, fellowship is very easy to come by when we all meet at the same place at the same time. But when that that mutual appointment is taken away, now it takes a tremendous amount of effort to, to keep in touch with people because you don't see them all in one location. Um, and so maybe the, the term there is, is, uh, is convenient fellowship versus costly fellowship. And, and now there is an extra measure of effort that's involved mm-hmm. to be connected to someone's life. The, the irony of, of some of this is that I've seen a lot of Zoom meetings and you know, go to meetings, stuff like that, people meeting virtually, Skype, things of that nature, and, and they're, in their, they're in their homes. They're in their kitchen. They're in their office. They're in their, you know, the bedroom, the, the living room, and that's the most I've ever seen of their house hmm. and vice versa. You know, they, right. they've not, we don't often invite people into our homes like maybe we used to yeah. as a society. Um, yeah. Part of that's because of the pace of life. It's hard to find opportunity to do that. Uh, part of that is that it's just, I don't know, to some degree it seems like it's its more difficult. When you have someone in your home, there's a level of intimacy that, that you're offering, a transparency there that maybe there is, this spot didn't get dusted or, or this or right. that, you know, that, that's your 
your sanctuary, so to speak. That is your world that you're truly inviting someone in another level of fellowship. And, uh, and when we're not used to doing that, if we've gotten out of that habit, this has caused a little bit of a reset to where we let people back in just a little glimpse, you know, through that little, a little computer camera. Um, yeah. We can't let that be the most that people come into our world. Yeah. Someone you know? goes, so is, oh, that's your house. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. That's yeah, pretty. Yeah. 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 A lovely ficus there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it, you know, I was thinking about the verse and I think that there's, there's many different ways that at times we can take verses like this. And I've thought about the verse where Paul says, I've, I've learned how to be abased and I've learned how to abound. Mm-hmm. And in thinking about many times for us, I, I think that we, we can learn to, to live with a little bit of being deprived of something. We seem, because as humans, our survival instinct kicks in and we adapt to that. What we have to be cognizant of is all those times where we are living in abundance and what that does for us in terms of our own complacency and sort of we just become lax at things and we do just take many things for granted. And so a lot of times the the abundant side of that is the part that's very difficult to learn how to live yeah. with that and to, to learn how to be effective in that for the Lord right. because we just suffer from that complacency. And so this has definitely been an opportunity to just kind of check up a little bit and to kind of take inventory of what are the things that are really truly of great value in my life? And what are the things that I've taken for granted? And and how once once things are restored, you know, and, and we get back to maybe what the the old normal yeah, returns to right. a degree, what do we allow to to take hold in our lives that we've we've learned and grown from through this? Mm-hmm. Because there are definitely those things as you as you're yeah, talking about that yeah. we need to we need to kind of carry those with us when we move forward. Yeah. You know, as you were talking there, I was reminded of when Jesus said that it's it's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of that abundance. You know, a class a few years ago uh, or a year or so ago, we asked the question, if it's more difficult for a camel to do that than for a rich man to enter into heaven, would it not be more difficult for a rich congregation to do so? And I think right. even in Madison, as, yeah. as in our inner workings here, you know, the things that we try to do together, sometimes we do get caught up in, in the stuff of the world. We get caught up in the, um, you know, just different, I don't know, different activities or, or ways of going about church life right, that, that really we start to shift that value. And, and I think what this has caused me to do on a personal level is to reevaluate what, what do I value, um, but to ultimately kind of examine, examine everything that I do in my life does it add spiritual value or does it just create more busyness or, or things like that? And um, you don't get that without a hard reset, right? You don't usually get that without a crisis of some sort. Right. Um, it's very difficult for people. People implement a diet into their world because they don't have the self-control beforehand, right? There's a need for something to kind of jostle the system, the way of living that they have. And, and that's what, what we see the gospel do over and over again. It's supposed to, to, to shake up the way of living. And I think to some degree— at least in my case, I know I've, I find myself in pursuit of convenience over actually holiness and holy living. You know, the pursuit of, of convenience is really um, a lie to myself in some ways, right? So what we have here right now in, in our family, we don't have anyone with the virus. So we have we have a disruption to our living. We have inconveniences now. Right. And when I find myself complaining and, and you know, being just upset about inconvenience, 
that's not really worth being upset about. No, it's really know? the loss of luxury. Absolutely. Bingo. That's, you that's got it. it. You got it. So. And, uh, and that, that we don't like, right? No. That we will fight for. That we, that's what we're contending for more often than not. Yeah. Um, when the whole time Paul is writing some of these letters from inside a prison, He's lost those luxuries, yeah, right? He has learned very in the, much in the midst yeah. of luxury, but also yeah. without. Yeah. Um, you know, he finds himself in at the end of Acts on his way to Rome, and uh, you know he's with these guys on the ship, these, these Roman uh, uh, centurions that are escorting him to Rome as he appeals to Caesar, and, and they're in the midst of this storm and, and all these hardships, and they're tossing stuff overboard, and and uh, he says, "Listen, if you just listened to me in the beginning, we wouldn't have incurred all of this loss. No one's going to die here." God came to me, an angel came to me and said, you're going to go to Caesar. And when God says he's going to do something, that's what happens. That's what God does, right? Mm -hmm. So Paul speaks, as a prisoner, speaks with this boldness, this confidence of essentially walking by faith. I have faith that this angel from God is telling me the truth. We're going to make it to Rome and nobody's going to die. When we walk by faith and not by sight, we have that same confidence, no matter what our circumstances are. His circumstances were prisoner. Right. I mean, those, right. I consider that dire circumstances in my life right now. If I found myself in jail, where did I go wrong? Right. All right. Um, Paul obviously was doing right things and found himself in that situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think the principle applies that walking by faith really causes you to respond differently. I, I've recently linked together some verses that uh, that I've never really seen in the same context before. Uh, I was doing a study with a friend recently on Psalm 23. And you know, verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the part that he asked me to really do some research on was that I shall not want part. I usually just couple them together. But if you take those as two separate thoughts, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I want for nothing. I will not, I will not have any need that goes unmet. Well, if you, if you look in Mark chapter 4 and you have Jesus there with his disciples there in the boat, they're kind of wigging out, right? Because the, there's a storm going on, water's right. coming in the boat. Yeah. Jesus is over there taking a little nap. I mean, he's just kind of hanging out, enjoying yeah. enjoying the ride. And, and they go, Jesus, are, are you not concerned? Guys, Jesus is on the boat with you. You're going to be okay. Right. <laughs> you know, you're going to be all right. And if you go and you look in Philippians, uh, and, and we read there where we're not to be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, give thanks. That that sometimes makes me go, wait, wait a minute. So, I, so if I'm a little bit concerned or worried, does that mean I'm sinning? Well, that's not what he's saying. Because the, the phrase right before that in Philippians, uh, we'll, we'll flip over there just one second. I'll, I'll read the, the whole thing. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It connects all three of these together. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests remain known to God. Mm-hmm. Right before that, the last part of verse 5, it says, The Lord is at hand. The yeah. Lord is at hand. Yeah. Don't be anxious. Therefore. Jesus is in the yeah. boat. Why are you worried? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When God is present, when Jesus Christ is, is actively engaged, when, when you are walking in the light as he is in the light, living by the spirit of God, then you will want for nothing. Look at the lilies. Look at the, you know, the birds of the air. God clothes them. He feeds them. There's, there's things that we bring into our life that are actually distractions, um, that are actually things that this, uh, if you go to the the original root of the word here of um, anxious in, in Philippians 4, it, it lends itself to the idea of distractions. So we bring in all these distractions, these worries that, that then cloud our thinking, and we're, not, we're no longer walking by faith. Right. You know, we're walking by sight. Mm-hmm. And uh, even in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of a, a natural disaster, 
walking by faith allows us to then walk with our head up. It's kind of like in basketball. If you dribble with your head down, you're going to be oblivious to the opportunity to pass, to shoot. Uh, you know, you, you don't see the workings of the play going on on the court. You're just focused on right here and now, yeah. and you'll find yourself in trouble. Yeah. In life, if we live with our head up, eyes focused on the cross, focused on Jesus, then we see opportunity in the midst of crisis. You yeah. know, we see this, this disruption to our life is actually an opportunity. Yeah to connect with people and to be there for people. Dyson was, uh, he, he played basketball, and when he began to drive, found it very easy to equate driving, what makes a good driver, to being a basketball player. And I used mm-hmm. to use that analogy with mm-hmm. him all the time. Like, what do you do when you're moving the ball up the court? Heads up, heads right. on a swivel. You're looking around, you're seeing the entire court. Yep. Driving was the same way, you know, and, and, and I think he took to that because he understood there's an awareness, they're seeing everything, mm-hmm. you know, a vision that goes with that. And... In thinking about that passage with Jesus in the boat, I think that many times we we look at that and we think that that was derived from just the utility that Jesus needed to rest. And yeah. no doubt he was tired. But I also think that he was modeling in that moment. That was an opportunity for Jesus to model trust. So there was a utility component that, yes, I'm tired. I'm going to lay down and rest. But then also what he knew yeah. about what they were facing, that it was a chance to model walking in trust, walking right. in faith, that God will take care of us. Yeah, that's why he goes back to questioning their faith. Right? Yeah, you know, no doubt. Dude, I'm in the boat with you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We, we got, you know, just three or four more minutes left here. So uh, as we kind of wrap up, I, I want to ask you a question. With, with everything we've had going on um, and this disruption to our lifestyle and our living, what are some things that, that you've seen or that you've taken note of that you want to make sure and incorporate when things, quote unquote, go back to normal? There are a couple of things that come to mind. Um, first is just kind of the power of noticing, of stopping and noticing small things, being aware, just being aware of, of the needs of others, being aware of um, just kind of looking around, as you said, kind of being still, knowing that God is God, and just looking for opportunities to be more aware of that instead of getting caught up in kind of the flood of life, the hustle and bustle. The value of that. And then secondly, it's it's really one of the words that I've continued to kind of have at the forefront of my mind has been sustainment. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is an opportunity when we see so much uncertainty and so much unrest and so much fear and anxiety, it's an opportunity to truly trust in the sustainment of God. And as you've said, knowing God carries us through this. We, we are His people we are made in His image, and He loves us and He cares for us. And, and so we have to make sure that we trust in Him, that He is the sustainer. And He was here long before COVID-19, which none of us had heard of three months ago, and He will be here long after. And so is uh, His Son, our Savior, and, and they will sustain us. They'll bring us through this. And so I think that's just been something that's been top of mind for me. I love it. I love it. I think that's where Paul gets the power to write in the midst of those circumstances and to say in those circumstances, hey, listen, God is continuing to be in control. That is a continual action. It's not a, a one and done. You know, he right. is He is at the center of my life. And, and I think this has caused us, you know, this whole this whole wacky situation has called us caused us to really evaluate, is he really in control of your life? Have you given up? Have you died to self? Uh, you know, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Right. Um, we sing the song as a kid, but are we really doing that? Have right. we really died to ourself? Uh, yeah. it's, it's way easier said than done, yeah. and it requires a, a lot of true sacrifice and, and relinquishing 
of control. Mm -hmm. so. There's been a lot more rubber meeting the road mm -hmm. with this yeah, and how absolutely. we walk this out. So, Man, I appreciate your time so much. Thanks Thank for, you, for joining Enjoyed me today it. and uh, looking forward to doing this a little more in the future. Sounds great. Thanks. Thanks for being with us.